DMB On Demand is a love letter written to the music of the Dave Matthews Band and the eclectic family that passionately supports them. Hello, and welcome to DMB On Demand, where we explore the music of DMB and the family therein. Take a seat, get comfortable, and welcome to the best of what's around. Welcome to DMB On Demand. Before we get to the interview, we'll take a moment to discuss some DMB history and news. We will have links to all information presented in the notes section of the episode on dmbondemand.com. Hey friends, Bridget again, B-R-I-H-A-L 4457 on Twitter. For a little history, we're going back to 2001 through 2003. In January 2001, Dave Matthews Band headed to Rio de Janeiro to play the Rock in Rio Festival. The group spent the spring and summer of 2001 touring North America and introducing sold-out audiences to songs from Every Day, which was released on February 27, 2001 and debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. The album has since been certified triple platinum. The band launched Every Day with appearances on Saturday Night Live, Late Show with David Letterman, and MTV's TRL. The Space Between peaked at number 22 on Billboard's Hot 100 and was nominated for a Grammy. Dave Matthews Band, the videos 1994 through 2001, was released on DVD and VHS on August 21st, marking the first time that the first 12 Dave Matthews Band videos were presented together, along with director commentary and behind-the-scenes footage. On October 23, 2001, the band released its fourth live set, Live in Chicago, 12-19-98, featuring great musicians such as Victor Wooten, Maceo, Parker, and Full Set with Tim Reynolds. In 2002, the band began recording in the next album in January. Working with English producer mixer Stephen Harris at the Record Plant Studios in Salcedo, California. Dave Matthews Band was honored to kick off the Hallmark Olympic Celebration series of concerts, which took place in Salt Lake City, Utah, during the 2002 Olympic Winter Games. The band performed Space Between, nominated for Best Rock Vocal Performance by a duo or group at the Grammy Awards in February 2002. Busted Stuff, DMB's fifth studio album, was released on July 16, 2002 and debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. First single, Where Are You Going, topped, topped the AAA radio chart and was a top 20 hit at Modern Rock. On November 5, 2002, the band released a double CD, DVD, VHS live at Folsom Field, Boulder, Colorado, the band's fifth live release overall. A short U.S. tour in December included two sold-out performances at Madison Square Garden, where James Brown joined DMB on stage during the second show. Dave Matthews Band's 2003 summer tour culminated with a performance in New York City's Central Park in front of an estimated crowd of 100,000 plus fans. The concert helped raise $2 million for public education in parks in New York City and was the first in the band's ongoing series of benefit concerts held in significant U.S. parks. 
The Central Park concert was released on DVD and CD on November 18, 2003, captured by 30 cameras in high-definition widescreen video and recorded in stereo in 5.1 audio. The DVD was directed by Larry Jordan, who had worked with the band on Listener Supported. 2003 also saw the release of the first solo projects from DMB. On June 17th, Boyd released True Reflections. The album, which featured Tinsley on vocals as well as violin, was hailed by AllMusic.com as a warm, poignant disc that improves with every spin. Dave's Some Devil was released on September 23rd and later certified platinum by the RIAA. In December, he launched the Dave Matthews and Friends tour with Trey Anastasio, Brady Blade, Tony Hall, Ray Pax-Kelsey, and Tim Reynolds, Emmylou Harris, and Spyboy. Join us in the next episode where we will explore DMB at Bonnaroo and Red Rocks. Thanks for listening. Sit tight for this week's interview and stay tuned after to hear the new The Way I Heard It segment where members of the DMB family share what certain DMB songs means to them. Thanks, guys. Each week, we have an intimate conversation with a member of the DMB family. We explore how the music of Dave Matthews' band and the deep bonds within the DMB family have shaped their life. We come to realize that while each story is unique and the family as a whole is diverse, we are sewn together by one common thread. The members of Dave Matthews' band and the people who make up the DMB family are simply people who love. We hope you enjoy this week's interview. My full name is actually Jacqueline, uh, but everybody does call me Jack. I am a nurse, um, kind of specialized into dermatology at this point. So all the icky, gross, smelly stuff is my forte. Um, two kids, all my hobbies kind of went out the window. Uh, I gave them up so that all of my extra money could be spent on making it to Dave shows. Um, Roller coaster enthusiast. We have a, uh, a plan of eventually making it to all the big ones across the country. Um, hopefully, time that out to Dave shows along the way. That would be extra nice. Um, outside of that, kind of anything that makes me laugh. You know, one thing noticed in this podcast is if you took a poll as to what the profession was of our guest, the majority would be nurse. And I happen to be married to this amazing, wonderful, self-sacrificing, open heart woman of a nurse. And it's amazing. And I know that it takes a certain personality to be in nursing and to stick with, to push through all the bullshit and push chance to be able to take a unique skill set to push through what was it that drew you into nursing um it was kind of a late choice i had already gone to school for psychology um with actual hopes of being working in a prison doing the parole board reviews before they got released uh 
kind of found out that was a little more hardcore than I had planned, um, but made me switch to nursing somehow and went to nursing school and found out that I am pretty good at giving really bad news to people without making them crumble. And that is really what kind of kept me in it um, for lack of having a better person to tell them than me. <laughs> if you were to talk to anybody that's currently going through nursing school or applying for their boards or going for the license um, and times are getting tough, what would you say to, to a nurse who's struggling at that initial point? Oh, geez. Um, stick with it. They really do kind of make you feel like school is geared towards weeding out the weak. Um, I don't, I never really struggled through school. I wasn't the smartest, but I didn't really have trouble. So I thought nursing school was going to kind of be the same. It was very fucking wrong. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. A lot of tears, a lot of cuss words. But you make it through it. You just have to keep going. You get to take your boards more than once. So not the end of the world if you don't pass. I did throw up in the parking lot um, waiting to go in because the nurse just got to me. But just sticking <laughs> with it. <laughs> and even if you feel like you you know it, study like 12 hours more <laughs> because you don't. It sounds like good advice. Um, all right, so we're going to start off with the hardest question, in my opinion. Um, the hardest question that we ask isn't about the worst time in your life or, or anything like that, although we do ask those. The hardest question is one of preference. So usually I ask what your favorite DMB song is and why. However, if you can't think of your favorite DMB song, because let's face it, there's not a goddamn person the DMB family that could just name one, then you can just tell us what your current favorite song is. If you have a favorite all the time, great. Let us know and, and why it's your favorite. But if not, just lean towards what's your current favorite and why it's your favorite. Yeah, if anybody can tell you, like, immediately rattle off their favorite song, then they clearly haven't listened to Dave for long enough. <laughs> Even the ones you don't like initially – Something happens in your life and that song resonates completely different and now it's at your top. Yep. My uh, yep. my uh, kind of long-term favorite, it would always make top three is Tripping Billies because that was the very first song I heard. That was when all the words came in the little CD jacket and I remember pacing around my bedroom trying to put these completely fucking nonsense words into my memory because the songs were back then at least they didn't make any fucking sense they were great but they don't really make any sense so that's always in the top three and then probably jimmy thing just because every time i've heard it live it's the best energy most people know all the words and for whatever reason when everybody's like the second time he says it, I think when as bereaved as I'm feeling and it gets all low and growly, just the best, the fucking best. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's funny you mentioned why Tripping Billies is your favorite. Um, here again, it's the commonality that we're exploring. Uh, I felt totally alone in my story until you just shared yours. So I was getting into DMB. I was starting to dig the music. 
I knew the songs were rich, but I'd yet to really dive into it. And I remember I was sitting in a van at work and I had DMB playing back when we were spinning CDs and uh, Warehouse came on. And it was the first time I was able to discern the lyrics and how he sings them without looking at the lyrics. The first time I finally organically heard it. And I think I said something out loud along the lines of, fuck you, Dave Matthews. I have you figured out. <laughs> and from that point, I was able to translate all of his songs. It's like I got the cipher and I finally read the <laughs> cipher and understood it. And then I was a fan. So it's, it's really awesome. I totally know what you mean when you say that Tripping Billies was the first song that you actually put together in your head. I, I completely get it. Yeah, that then Dave, every right. time you think you know a song, he switches up the words. Or there's some secret verse that comes out that you never heard before. Absolutely. It still happens to this day. You know, you listen to it and all of a sudden you hear something new or different perspective, the mental imagery changes, but it's it's always evolving. So um going back to your fandom, so to speak. When did you become a DMB fan and what brought you into the fold? Um, honestly, the beginning, the very beginning, I was sucked in truly because there was a concert. He was coming to Charlotte. I was in ninth grade. So it was 1999, probably that summer ish that he was there. Um, and a group of friends, we had already made plans to go just because that was time away from our parents. And so started learning songs. And like I said, Tripping Billies was the first one I really learned and actually got into. And then we got there. And it was a whole different world. Like I had just never enjoyed music that way. I mean, I listened to the radio, like sing along, blah, blah, blah. But it was just a whole different experience and got hooked after that. I'm still in high school. So really only saw him that summer. I mean, there wasn't any traveling around to go catch more shows. And then when he went the first solo album, I don't remember what it was called, but when he went solo and I heard that one, his songs made a lot more sense. Like they were more put together. They were kind of slower. Was that wasn't uh, devil? Yes, but I had not heard that song in particular. Okay. It was just some, so whatever song hit the radio first from his solo album. And I remember thinking, yeah, this is not the same. Like, where's all his crazy lyrics? These songs make sense. The music wasn't really the same. So I kind of lost a little was, faith. And he, go ahead. Sorry. Was, was the, was the song like religious in nature somewhat? Because the only two songs I think of the first off of that album would be either Save Me or Gravedigger. Okay, maybe it wasn't a solo album then, because I okay. think it was the, when did he do um, the American Baby song, which I like now. I was not a fan of the beginning. Yeah, that was off a of stand-up, a studio album. And it, it, in the beginning, I hated it, too, because it sounded too – it was over-engineered. It was too computer-sounding is the best way I can phrase it. There were quite a few right around there that just weren't the same. Yeah, And agreed. I automatically assumed, oh, you've lost it. This is, this is not it. Like, okay, next album, like, you completely changed and, and you lost me. 
and then I actually moved all the way across the fucking country to Hawaii and just kind of dropped it for a long time. And then probably 2015 picked up hardcore for whatever reason. I think I just heard some song on the radio and kind of started listening again. And then as an adult being, just being older, I don't know, everything hit different. Now there are songs I had never heard of before. I had no idea there were so many that I had missed and it was hit the ground running with a vengeance, like make up for lost time. Absolutely. And I don't think we're alone in the perspective of that stand up CD being, um, I'm not going to say worse because there's not a bad one out there, but comparatively, it wasn't as great as, you know, the initial CDs were, in my opinion. And I think most people um, would agree with that. It sounds too overproduced, over-engineered. Um, now, when they took those songs and integrated them live, it was completely different because it was back to that organic feel and that the jam that they can get into. And I just, I, I think that was kind of a shared sentiment with that album and there's nothing wrong with that not everything's going to be a home run and not everything has to be perfect you know there's ups and downs with everything in life and dave matthews is no exception so um i think quite a few people would agree with that so all right when when i and even like none of us go to i mean i still i don't change the channel when he comes on the radio but i think if most people are like looking for a dave song 99 percent of the time they're going to click on a live one versus the studio version the studio feels like it puts a cap on what they can do i, I need them free range like i want to hear everything they can do right absolutely i don't want to hear what they are i'm i still want to hear it but i'm, I'm not a <laughs> real big fan of hearing what they have to cram into five minutes i would rather have an 18 minute number 41 over a six minute studio album or song any day of the week right okay so when i first got into the band i had some phases that i went through phase one somebody turned me on to him phase two i started to learn dave speak how he speaks and sings uh phase three i had to consume every single bit of music i could find by them Phase four, and the more most important, well, no, phase four would be eventually seeing them live, but phase five is the most important to me. Phase five is when I became aware that there is this thing called the DMB family, and I've gotten to know so many people through it, and with my wife and I, we travel for a living, and I've been able to go around to all corners of the country now, and I've been able to meet a lot of these people that I will never never had the chance to meet outside of what we do and it's been absolutely amazing and so i've gotten in over my head with the dmb family and there comes a certain point in a dmb fans cycle where they become aware of that family and either they dig it and it's all right they'll communicate a little bit or they're all in with it and you're one of the people that and there's quite a few of them out there that are all in with it. So I'm curious, how did you become aware of the DMB family, the community underneath all of this? And what does that family, DMB family mean to you? Uh, knowing that this whole family existed was very recent. Um, 
really probably when I started on Twitter, like just a probably a year ago, I think it was last summer. Um, or no, summer 2019. But it, I had seen, I mean, since getting back into it in 2015, like I knew there were Facebook groups and was in some of those, but they just, it's just not really the same. Or, or I hadn't found the Facebook group where they actually post pictures of like spotting fire dancers around and stuff like that. Once I saw that, and then once I joined Twitter, is kind of when it took off. <laughs> I was mm. very aware that there was a community and very aware that the music kind of brought us all there, but it was truly the individuals with the kind of matching sick and very twisted minds that brought me in even deeper and kind of made me stay. And it was nice to know, okay, I'm not the only loser that walks around and listens to absolutely nothing but Dave. We talk about <laughs> Dave all day. Uh, we all experience those dirty looks from our friends. They're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, again? Um, I'm not the only one that spends every dime on stupid guitar string bracelets or posters or things that you don't need at all, but I cannot live without them. <laughs> Absolutely. But knowing that I'm not the only just fucking crazy one is, is kind of the best part. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of sums up why I'm doing this. I, I felt very thankful that I wasn't a freak and that there's <laughs> other people out there that, that the music's impacted this much. And uh, it, made, it made me feel a lot more comfortable in my own skin, uh, so to speak. So, all right. Let's move along. If you could choose one DMB song that everybody on the planet would sit down and listen to just one time, you had that power, one song, one time, what song would you give everybody to listen to and why specifically that song? Fuck, that is like the hardest question ever. <laughs> um, damn. I would have to say, well, okay, if there, it has to be them playing it live. Like, it has to be people get to hear it in person, first of all, because none of them are as good just listening to it. Fair enough. Studio. Yeah, fair enough. But it, as cheesy or kind of lame as it sounds, it would have to be ants. Every time I go to a show, I think, oh, they don't close with that. Oh, they don't close with that. And then when they do, like I leave, yep. like breath, my voice is gone. They put so much fucking passion into that song every yeah. time. I just, if you're going to see them do their thing, like I, plus, I mean, that's just like our calling card. Like we are their aunts. <laughs> just fucking follow 100%. them. Anywhere. But that yep. one, there's several others, like depending on the current mood or, oh, you have to hear, you know, Dave Whale in this part or, oh, wait till, wait till you hear him like kind of skip on the high note, but it's so great or his neck veins bulge on this part. But it, having to pick just one solid, like full song, I would have to do that because I know they're not going to disappoint. You know, that's a great great selection. I don't think anybody's chosen ants before. And another facet to that song is once you hear that snare drum come in that first time, anytime you hear a snare drum from that point on, you're hoping it's going to be that drum going into ants. Like 
there's something so magical when he when Carter starts hitting that snare. It's the intro to Ants, and it just brings me to attention every time. And I'm like you. I go there thinking, uh, please don't close with Ants. Please don't close. But if they do, I am walking away a happy motherfucker. Like, happy. The, um, uh, yeah. And sh- the last Charlottesville show, when they did one in December, might have been 2018, The that preservation jazz band, I think is what they're called, was there. And they came in on ants for the encore and it was more than I could handle. Like the place was electric and it added a lot. Are you still there? Yes. Okay. For some reason, my, my Skype is glitching. All right, there we go. Sorry about that. Um, all right, so I meant to, at the beginning of this recording, I meant to have a little bit of a disclaimer for language, both oh, Jack and I. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, we uh, we both don't necessarily mind uh, curse words. I've used them before on the podcast, and uh, so I forgot to do that. And I'm, I'm saying that right now just to cover my own ass with, with mm-hmm. what might be the answer to this question. Oh, fuck. Um, Okay. Yeah, right. And and so I'm a little fucking worried about it. But, you know, I told Jack, listen, no filter, unadulterated, come as you are. So with that being said, if you could sit down with Dave Matthews sitting on a couch and you had just a minute or two with him, what would you say to that man? Oh, um. First, I would tell him that he's going to enjoy hanging out with me. This should be a repeat occurrence. Um, (laughs) God, you think you would know. Like, I would just be able to rattle off a whole bunch of shit. Actually, the only thing I would want to squeeze in, only because I think it would gain me kind of more access, is that you're welcome, world. My seventh birthday present was apparently gifting the world DMV because they started on my birthday. So I would definitely have to drop that in hopes that that got me some points somehow or that he hadn't heard that before. Honestly, I think I'd just be drooling on myself. <laughs> I don't know that I could say he came down to sign my shoes one time and I kind of just stared at him. <laughs> like That was my moment and I literally just stared at him. So tongue tied and twisted uh, <laughs> is how yeah. he would say it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, so again, with the podcast, going back to the initial statement of the podcast being a great friend to or not the podcast, the music being a great friend to all of us, and me wanting to get to know these stories. As I started listening to the stories, we started talking about the best and worst moments of that person's life, and the songs that influenced those moments. And there was so much similarity. Um, so people listening to this, they're going to be going through either a really good moment in their life or they're going to be going through a difficult moment in their life. And it might just help them even just a little bit to know that somebody's out there that also went through these experiences and that the same music also helped them. And maybe they can glean a perspective on their situation come out of it a little easier with a little more love so that being said we're going to do both sides of the spectrum 
the first thing we're going to cover is the best moment of your life. Can you think of one of those holy shit, I am fucking grateful to be alive today moments? And was there a DMB song tied to that in, in the moment? Or is there any DMB songs that kind of give perspective to that when you look back at that day? See, these are the fucking questions I didn't like. <laughs> like, my life has been pretty bland. Like, I've had good moments. I mean, my kids, like, got married. I got to live in Hawaii. I mean, but unfortunately, those were the few, like, kind of the Dave dropout moments. The um, Do You Remember makes me think of my childhood, which is always good. And then there is his new one, Old Joy Begin. That one yeah. is about childbirth. So, I mean, that one makes me think back to happy times. But it's... Oh, just a little side note. Uh, oh, Joy Begin came out on my birthday. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Destined. Destined. But it... I mean, there's always a Dave song for a good mood. Um, and he's kind of on constantly now. So, it's... I've never had a moment where I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good. I need to go listen to Dave. Dave's just always there. He's, he doesn't go away. He's kind of the constant as the mood or the yeah. kind of vibe of the day changes. Dave's still there. Is there a song you mentioned your marriage? Is there a particular song more than the others that, that makes you think of your partner? Um. Well, we're divorced now. So 17 oh, okay, years sorry. later, no. And he, no, no, it's not. It's not, it's not bad blood. Um. And he wasn't really a big Dave fan. Now my my uh, pass move on. Yeah, now that, that's why we're divorced. <laughs> uh, I mean, he would listen, but it wasn't. I wasn't super big into it then either. That was again the kind of the drop off years. But no, not not anything like super in particular that would tie back to that. Okay. Uh, let's go to the other side of the spectrum. Um, just like you, many people haven't had really peaks and valleys. It's been pretty consistent. Life has treated them pretty consistently. But but for those who are going through a rough time, hearing somebody else's story, um, especially if they've managed to climb their way out of it, can really inspire and give people hope. So do you have a – on the other side of the spectrum, do you have one of those uh, – fuck me kind of days and was there a song that helped you during that time or is there a song that now that you think about it gives some perspective when looking back um i mean i think the space between and the stone kind of are relationship songs for me obviously crash but that would be a good one um but i think those two no matter kind of what you're going through they speak to kind of rough times in a relationship to me I haven't really had a like a major down part I mean going through a divorce the past couple of years which fuck I had no idea it took years in that readjustment period and kind of getting the kids straight and making sure they're good was a lot and that was really when I went heavy back into concerts and that was really just to I don't have time to think about all the bullshit and all the bad and all the complicated. I got two days or three hours, however long you're there for that DMV trip to forget all of that and enjoy, just enjoy the shit out of it. 
I think Dave playing constantly, constantly kind of keeps me in a high all the time. Even if I'm in like a bad mood when I get in the car, I got a 45 minute drive home to listen to Dave all the way. I don't really remember what I was fucking pissed off about when I get out. Yeah, I'm with you when you say when you go to the show, just enjoy it. You know, just go with an open heart and you're going to be around thousands of people who are already in love with the music. I haven't met a single stranger. Of course, I've only been to a handful of DMB shows, but I haven't went and walked away feeling like I met a single stranger. Even the drunk frat bros, they, uh, there's camaraderie there between everybody at the show. And it's just an amazing thing. And I agree, you know, you could give me a handful of Xanax or you could give me tickets to a DMB show and I'm going to walk away feeling better, lighter, happier, and more alive with a DMB show any day of the week. Without doubt. A Dave concert was definitely the very first concert. I've been to a lot of concerts. I mean, we're lucky to have them in Charlotte, like pretty much every weekend all summer. Even if I wasn't super into it, just go because it's live music is a good time. But Dave is the one and only concert I can go to and be completely sober. No drinking, no nothing. And I have a blast. I didn't even know that was fucking possible. 100% completely understand what you're saying there. When I went to the gorge, I decided no drinking, no smoking. I wanted to experience it purely. And wow, it was, it's its own drug. It's the best way I can put it. It's its own drug. And so if you're going through a tough time and hopefully you're listening to this further in the future and concerts are back. uh, Yeah, just go, just just make it there. Just make it there. (laughs) Doesn't matter. You don't need anybody to go with if you're if you're by yourself. You don't need to take a single person with you. You have nothing to worry about. Every single person you meet there is going to be hospitable, unless they're up front trying to guard their spots in the, the pit. But for the most part, everybody is friendly. And even if you go by yourself, as a matter of fact, if you're going through a rough time, I suggest that you go to a Dave Matthews show by yourself and make some friends. You won't have regret you- it. Have you done that? I haven't ever been anywhere by myself. I went to night three of the gorge by myself. Um, and no, I take that back. Lacey was there. No, I haven't went by myself. I should, though. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be a whole different experience. And you yeah. are right. We are, we are all nice until I made it to the front. Well, I take that back. See, everybody in the front, like the pit becomes its own smaller D&B family for that night. Yeah. You get used to the faces around you. And if halfway through, I don't remember your fucking face, then you need to go. Like, no, oh, this, is awesome. not a, this is not a push up kind of thing. Like, I, do, I feel like everybody beside, the, beside you kind of defends your space. But it's not from the people that have been standing behind you the entire time. It's drunk Lucy that thinks she can come from the lawn and push her way up front. Fuck you. No, you can't. Yeah. And I don't feel bad because they aren't actually, clearly you aren't a Dave fan. Like you are not living Dave right now. Get the fuck out. (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. 100%. I, uh, I haven't been down to the pit before myself, but I've heard plenty of stories. And like you said, it's not, trying to lock out the people who've been there with you all day in the heat as the people are drunk as shit trying to sneak up there. And I think that's cool that, that, 
like you said, you get familiar with the faces and you're a little family and you're protecting your space. I totally get it. I had my, uh, no, I did, I had never been in a pit for any concert before until it was day one and it was, I think Atlanta 2019. Very first time I'd ever been anything like that. I mean, I always thought, why would you pay to get that clothes? Like, can't be that cool. You're standing there the whole time. Holy fucking shit, I was wrong. Like, that is a life-changing experience to be able to see their expressions with each other, uh, like how they play off of each other, see sweat dripping down his face. Like, I can actually see the bead of sweat. It is a whole different animal and kind of addictive. Yeah, I can't imagine being that close where those those details are almost palpable, like it's a, its own aesthetic, and being able to essentially like you just smell the sweat. <laughs> I mean, yeah. being that close, I can't even imagine. The, how is the sound down in the pit? I always wondered about that because you're you're so close to the actual music itself, but then you have the speakers. Is there any sort of reverb, or are they pretty good about getting the sound adjusted for you guys? I have never had any issue. I mean, I've kind of been in the back of the pit and the front of the pit. It's because the speakers that are right in your face that you think would be blasting, they're usually kind of high up. So it does over you a little bit. I mean, you, you could still hear, but I've never had okay. I've never like, feel like I had to cover my ears for any part or feel like really it's any different than being in the lawn. I mean, they, they've had the sound, same sound and light guys like their entire career, which is worthy of a ribbon anyway who keeps staff that long i mean i think they just have it down to a science yeah. at this point yeah 100 percent. yep so going back to our earlier topic about going to a show alone uh, if somebody's going to their first show let me see how to how to phrase this what's one habit or one thing that people do at a DMB show that just pisses you off so that somebody going to the first show would understand, okay, yes, but somebody else feels the same way. Is there anything, any habit or any action that just pisses you off that people do at a show? Not so much at the show, because again, I'm on my own high. Like I really don't give a fuck what anybody else is doing. I mean, there's people that get too drunk and fall around. But again, this is your good time. Like, I'm, it doesn't really bother me. I might not have come with you or I wouldn't hang out with you because it's a little too much. Right. It doesn't really irritate me during then because I can let it go and just do my own thing. The only thing that people do that pisses me off is complain about the set list. Or what if I mean, talk so much oh, shit. Oh, God, yes. It's yeah. every song is not my favorite, but to somebody like I always think, would you really want the band to hear that? Like clearly every song they sing is not their favorite yet. They sing it exactly the same and put everything yeah. into it every single fucking time. Mm -hmm. Cause at least one person in that crowd, that's their, that's their chasing song. I have been waiting for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so, okay, go to the bathroom or just sit with your thumb up your ass while the one song that you don't like plays and get over it. Like, please don't take to Facebook and bitch for fucking days about Dave's losing it. This is sappy. What are the repeats? Who gives a fuck? At least he's still traveling. At least he's still singing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. When we first started this podcast, I, I lost a couple 
couple friends because I threw a line out on Twitter and the line said, um, I want to reinvent what it means to be a super fan. And I explained it when asked. And to me, up until I went to the show and started getting curious about people's stories, uh, super fan for DMB, what it meant to me was those guys that can tell you exactly what Dave screwed up in 1999 at the Atlanta show on the double on like I, your stats don't impress me. Uh, don't be an asshole about it. If you want to share it, that's great. But like you said, don't be a show and throwing out your stats and the song's been played X number of times. That's just not what a super fan means to me. Now I know there's a name for what I was looking at. What I was looking at was the DMB family not hardcore fans. So I'm the same way. If you know all these stats, if you know the rotation of the songs, that's great. But some people are there just to enjoy the music for what it is. Just let them do it. I know. And how, like, I don't understand. You still paid to be here, yet you're bitching the whole time. So didn't they really, like, they got you. You're pissed, yet you still showed up. Yep. So it's, yep. if you want to pay, if you want to make Dave richer just to talk your shit, go ahead. Just I'm not gonna listen. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine with it too. <laughs> yeah, he don't, he don't give a fuck. Yeah, We've single-handedly made him that yeah. man very rich. <laughs> just don't throw shit up on the stage, and he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So to wrap it up, I got uh, I think two more questions and. The first one is, if you had to pick three songs, and you can pick any three songs that, well, like this. So there's another artist that I'm really into. His his name's Hosier. And if you, to understand Hosier's first album is to understand me. Uh, I feel like he made that album for me, about me. That's how uncanny it is. And so what I'd like you to do is to pick three songs, um, give us the song titles. And if somebody were to listen to the songs, to get to know those songs would be to get to know you. What three songs would kind of highlight, you know, you as a person? Damn. I remember answering this. Now I don't remember what I wrote. <laughs> I know Rhyme or Reason would be the first one. I love that song. Yeah. Got my own dark history. Why, why Rhyme or Reason? Um, cause that, I, well, very literally needle to the vein. I was never into intravenous drugs, but it just makes it very clear. Like you've got your dark past. That's what's yeah. kind of getting you through things. Yeah. Um, damn. You said you liked on the spot. So here we are. Yeah. Do I, no, this is not even on the spot. This is my shitty fucking memory. I can't remember the three I already picked. <laughs> um, that one would definitely start it. Jimmy thing would be in there because again, you kind of learn your balance and make it through. Um, damn, this is when him having so many songs is not a good thing. Gray Street's got to be yeah, in there somewhere. That is just a kick-ass song. Tell tell me about Gray Street for you. I'm always curious to hear people like what Gray Street means to them. Um, my, my love of that song is more how he sings it. I mean, it is about a girl. So obviously we're all on board with that one. 
but just one not super religious. So the fact that they're talking about falls on deaf ears and kind of lost in that area of the world speaks to me. And then feeling like you just want to kick out the windows, like just being mad. Um, but then kind of settling down at the end, everything <laughs> you figure out how to balance your fucked upness. Okay. That makes sense. Um, all right. So this is going to be a little tough because it's a matter of perspective. But if you had to sit down with somebody who had never heard the music before, knew nothing of the band, and you couldn't play him any songs, you just had to sit there and discuss the band, how would you describe it to them? And how would you tell that person what the overall message is behind the music? And what is that message, in your opinion? Hope. There's all like almost every song, even the dark ones, tend to come back up in the end. Like, it always gets better, which I really think he sings to just because of how much shit he's gone through. He's still a heavy motherfucker. Like, none of them. I don't think, well, I don't know too much about the rest of them, but at least on stage when you can see their expressions, they are happy. Nothing kind of weighs so deep on them or nothing sits with them for so long that's puts you in a bad mood that it sticks. They're so content and so happy with what they're doing everything else will just fall into place like that's okay it might have been a bad moment doesn't change anything that's just a moment that you get past not something to dwell in just wake up again tomorrow go right back at it and dave's very they're all very good at i don't we don't have to all agree to still be nice <laughs> everybody's entitled to their own opinion yes yeah. You can still laugh and joke and enjoy your time together without everything being in agreement. And I'm sure they're all, they can't all be exactly alike. I'm sure they differ in some ways, but they've still been together for 30 plus years. Still look like they have a great time together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So, Usually at the end of the podcast, what we've been doing is uh, asking people to just kind of talk about what interests them and promote whatever it is that you feel the world needs to hear more about. So some people choose some charities, some people give their Twitter handle shout out, some people, um, whatever you wanted to discuss, it's, it's all up to you. But uh, I remember from reading your form you really didn't have too much in that regard, which is fine. So for you, what I'm going to do is change it a little bit. So assuming that this actually gets published and everything goes great, there are members of the DMV family listening to this right here, right now. Some of them are going through a tough time. Some of them are having a great time. Everybody is in love with the music. You're talking to the DMV family. You have their ear. What do you want to tell them? Keep going to shows, like keep talking to people. It's um, like I said, when I started like kind of following Dave groups on Facebook. It just kind of a different breed than what's on Twitter. And the Facebook wasn't for me, but keep looking like there's some 
kind of subset of the DMV family that's going to be right up their alley. You just have to find us. There's more out there than I thought. Um, and it is like, you just, you just have to find them. And if you haven't seen them live, like go to a show, get a second mortgage on your house. If you have to, is how much it can be life changing, but you will, no matter what your dark time is, whether you want to talk about it with somebody or not, you'll find somebody in the DMV family that can perk you back up. You know, when Lacey and I went to the gorge in 2019, we kind of had this shared uh, pact with each other. And it had taken us so long to go and see a DMV show. But once we did, and it helps that it was at the gorge, but once we did, we kind of made a promise to each other that from, not, from now on, no matter what, if Dave Matthews Band is playing within a four-hour radius of wherever we are, and we travel for a living, so that's everywhere, if they're within four to six hours, we are going. No excuses, no exceptions, we're going. And, you know, hearing you talk about your experiences at the shows uh, and seeing other people and their experience, it's just the best thing out there. Just that live experience. Uh, I agree with you when you say if you had to tell them one thing, go to shows. If you haven't been, go. If you've been, go and get you know a little bump. And it's it's the best thing you could do inside of the, the DMB world, so to speak. And that's why I like picking certain songs, like to label on certain things or events is hard. It's it's not necessarily what he's singing. It's just a feeling. It's goosebumps every time he opens his mouth looking around like at everybody singing and it goes from like 80 to eight <laughs> that knows the words i've seen every age out there and just happy like i don't think i've ever seen i've been to other concerts where you can tell some couples fighting the girlfriend sitting down like they haven't spoken i don't think i've ever come across that at a day show even if you came in in a bad mood he's gonna suck it right out of you Interesting choice of words there, but I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> All right, Jack. Hey, listen, thanks so much for coming on. It's been amazing talking to you. The hour just flew by like that. And, uh, you know, it, we've been on a break for a while now after season two. And this interview and, you know, your part in that has really rekindled the fire in my heart. And I'm, I'm looking forward to another season of reconnecting with all of these wonderful, beautiful friends. And so thanks for coming on. Um, thanks for the inspiration. And thank you for sharing uh, what the music means to you so that others can see that at the end of the day, you know, they're not alone. This music, it ties us all together. So thanks for coming on, Jack. I greatly appreciate it. Welcome to the final segment for today, The Way I Heard It. We know there is such diversity within the DMB family, or community, and for this reason alone, there will be differences in how we all interpret the music and the lyrics. Each week, we select a song and ask several fans to break down the song the way they heard it. Take a listen. Perhaps you would have heard the song in the same way, or perhaps you'll find a new appreciation of the song discussed. Enjoy!
Hey everyone, it's Eli, and uh, I get to talk about Little Red Bird today. Pretty excited about that. Um, it's my favorite Dave Matthews song, and this is the way I heard it. Little Red Bird. It, I started listening to that song. Uh, I don't know how many years ago or exactly when, and I couldn't even pinpoint the first time I heard it. But I imagine it was me cruising around the back roads with my buddies or whatever, and you know, just listening to some Dave Matthews. We'd, we'd find par- uh, spots on the side of the road, park, just friggin' I don't know, hang out, talk, chill. There's no traffic around, you know. Like we lived in the country, so we got to just enjoy the outdoors and uh, the the forests and the river, and uh, yeah, and little red bird for me reminds me of that time when I when I was kind of first listening to it and to me it's like crazy thought provoking and it's a lot of thoughts I have and I like I relate to this song um a lot basically and it's a that's why I usually say it's my my favorite Dave Matthews song and uh yeah it's a lot of fun to play and I like to watch him play it on YouTube, and uh, every time when I'm watching him play or listen to music, it's it's a song I can just pick up my guitar and play right along with, and it uh, it's a fun time. Um, the right in the beginning, um, little red bird under the chair, waiting for the crumbs to fall, and Daddy said to get a job. Um, Sometimes, like, in that little spot, to put my personal, I guess, feelings into it, um, in a way, I think about how the little red bird, like, I, sometimes I feel like the little red bird, you know, I think that, I think that's, for me, the point in the beginning, at least, and, um, well, that's where I get at, anyways, that's how I feel, is, like, the path that I chose in my life you know, I've had jobs and worked 9 to 5 and whatever, you know, your typical jobs, 4 to 11, whatever. Um, just doing what I can do. And, um, you know, music and art is like my biggest passion. And a lot of times, like when I was younger, like 24, 25, you know, and like threatening to make that leap to just do that, do what I love. But, you know, with that security of a job and everything, it's like, it's hard to, it's a scary thing to do, you know, it's a scary thing to pass up that security of, you know, your weekly or bi-weekly paycheck and the insurance, the benefits, you know, that you get along with a good job and things like that. And it's hard to, it's, a, it's hard, it's scary to like, think of like, oh dang, can I do this on my own? And luckily for me, my father has never ever told me he's like like he's never pushed me to do anything he's never um you know anybody in my family for that matter but like to make to relate it specifically to the song you know daddy now don't you see how good I am at catching crumbs you know a lot of you know like a lot of people might not pursue a dream or pursue what they want to do because of what somebody might think of them and um Luckily for me, I've never, never had that, and, um, but I can, like, maybe sympathize with that, you know, like, 
little red bird under the chair waiting for the crumbs to fall. And the crumbs, like, for me, sometimes it's like, you know, all the jobs I've had, well, not all of them, but most of them were kind of dead end, you know, not going anywhere, and I've maxed out what I'm going to be making, and, you know, that, it, that's like catching crumbs, you know, like, that's how I feel, and it's just like, ugh, like, I don't know how to explain it any better than that, but kind of like people tossing peanuts at you, and I literally told myself, I was like, man, if I work as hard for myself as I do for everybody else, you can't stop me, and, um, yeah, I, so that's, I just think about that, you know, like my, myself in that position, little red bird under the chair waiting for the crumbs to fall, and daddy said get a job, and daddy, now don't you see how good I am at catching crumbs, you know, it's a, it's, it's tough to start what you want to do, and, and, and again, I'm, you know, I'm catching crumbs, you know, sometimes still, but at least I'm doing it for myself, and I ain't catching nobody else's crumbs, if that makes any sense, but that's, that's how it relates to me, and that's why, you know, I love that song, or that part, so much, um, this song is, like, so thought-provoking, and one of my favorite things about it is, um, it doesn't push any ideas on you, it just presents questions, or ideas, theories, it just, it's a curious song, it, and, like, that's how I, it's, it, kind of how I feel all the time, like, I don't know anything about Jack's squat, man, and the quicker, <laughs> the quicker you realize that, the, I think the the easier it is for you to learn. And um, yeah, it's just when we get later, a little, little bit later on in the song, that'll probably make a little bit more sense. But um, another reason why this is my favorite song, like, and why I take it personally, and um, or or where I can see myself in the song, basically, or how I feel like I'm a part of it, whatever, is the next verse. Um, he gets taught, he talks about, um, some indigenous folks, you know, and, um, obviously with the general custard and sitting bowl, you know, and that's the whole second verse. Um, general custard has said, overestimated his ability to win and sitting bull turned the tables on him. Um, it's comfort in counting the battles won after the war is lost. And, um, I mean, if you know anything about American history, like, there were people here first. Um, First Nations, Natives, Indigenous, I don't, you know, whatever you want to say. To me, it doesn't matter. But, like, and I say that because, like, <laughs> where I get that from is because I'm Mohawk, right? So, that's where I fit in. Um, if you don't know who Mohawk people are, we're Eastern Woodland people. Basically, the east eastern part of New York. What's New York today? And you know, you know, up north too, up in Canada, like St. Lawrence a, uh, area today. Um, yeah. So when you start talking about indigenous folks, you know, um, I, you know, I take it. You know, I, I listen and you know, I fit in there and the part of the history. And uh, so it's really it's really well done too. A lot of times it's a little funny when a musician or a movie director or anybody gets starts talking about touchy subjects and but Dave Matthews man just because of who he is and where he's from and his story you know he knows or you know he's he's seen his fair share of um 
everything <laughs> crap good times bad times you know whatever but he's um and i know during the standing rock uh the uh, dakota pipeline issue over there and um i know he was over there um i didn't get a chance to go over there unfortunately but i know he was there and uh some of my people were taking photos and we have our our, our Haudenosaunee flag up it's that you, know, you might have seen it i don't know there's so many native nations in North America, but our flag is that purple flag with the uh, white squares on it, you know, or it's called the Hiawatha Belt, um, but it's, I saw Dave Matthews holding up a part of that flag, you know, with a bunch of my folks, and I was like, heck yeah, man, it was like such a good feeling, man, and and a lot of people talk about, you know, issues, but doing something about it is a completely different thing, and he does, he does a lot for communities, and bringing awareness, and with, with, many he's got his hand in so many pots and he's you know he's a great man to tell the story that's for damn sure he does such a good job at it and that's one of my favorite lines is uh comforting counting the battles one after the war is lost and uh that feels good you know it's like uh all <clears throat> all native nations can uh can attest to that i think you know or or at least some native folks personally can definitely take it up i can't speak for all nations we're all different you know so it's you know it's who the heck am i right but um i feel that man comfort and counting the battles won after the war is lost yeah it's, it feels good and i mean you can directly put it right to there um with the uh with the um general custard and sit and bull idea or part of the song and um yeah it's just it feels good somebody did us justice you know what i mean it's like or got that feeling out anyways and yeah and i but yeah you can look at that another part everybody can look at that it's not just native folks like everybody has um lost a lost a war but you there's comfort in counting battles that you win afterward which is to sort of you know not, never give up you know and be you know there's a time to be stubborn and there's a time not to be and um but when i think when it comes to who you are and what you believe in uh be stubborn and uh that's that's one thing my mom always said she goes you can't you can't keep native folks down or we're too stubborn you know they tried taking language away trying to put us on these little plots of land and like just trying to just trying to put our fire out and uh can't do it not with us anyway <laughs> but yeah, and so, you know, that, that whole second verse, I mean, you can go a million different directions with that, but um, immediately when I think of Little Red Bird, I just think of, you know, I think of that song, and or, well, I mean, I think of uh, that part of the song for sure, and yeah, it's <laughs> my favorite. Comfort in counting the battles won after the war is lost. I think that's my favorite Dave Matthew lyric, so. And then there's like a little dreamy, like, uh, I don't know, like, ref maybe it's called the refrain kind of deal, or, I don't know, it's just like a, dun, 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 dun. you know, it's like, so, cool. it kind of ties back into my thought-provoking and stuff, it's like dreamy, but it's like, doesn't really know anything about, it doesn't have any answers, basically, to, like, anything he's presenting in the song, which I love, and I tie that more into this verse, because, you know, I'm not a super... I'm not a religious dude at all, and I don't really think about, oh, much. I'm pretty, 
I'm pretty content with everything, how I am and my thoughts and uh, death comes up, you know, in my brain quite a bit and it's good though, like I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid of it or nothing, I welcome it every day and I think more people should be like that, there's a lot of people afraid of death and the unknowing what happens and do your lights just turn off or is there, if there's a place up in the sky reflecting on heaven's grace, you know, if there's a place up in the sky reflecting on heaven's grace, that's what I love about the song again, is there's no, not pushing any ideas on you, it's just here, here's a thought and here's what I think about it, you know, and um, yeah, and so it's just, again, you can go so many different directions with it, and um, it's like, almost like, he does it in such a way too, where like, you can't argue, I think anybody that's like, super religious too, or, um, or has strong beliefs, like, when you pose that question, if there's a place up in the sky reflecting on heaven's grace, I know that, I think a lot of people might get, wolleroos, you know, and just start throwing their truth at you, but I, you know, truth is truth no matter who says it, and, um, it, so I, I don't know, it's hard for me to explain, I hope I'm doing an alright job, but, um, I think that all the time, like, you're, like I kind of hope that there's something else after, and I, I'm, I have my own thoughts, but, um, you know, I think that's something that everybody, at one point in their life, questions, or, you know, they might question their faith, or they might jump from faith to faith, or if you're like me, you kind of just take a bit of everything and listen to what everybody says, and, you know, I'm, I lean more to the side, whatever, whatever you want to have happen to you, will happen to you. So if you believe in heaven, that's where you'll go, or if you reincarnation, that's where you'll that's what'll happen, and or maybe you think we're in aliens, maybe we turn into aliens. I have no stinking clue, or maybe the lights do just turn off and you just become worm food. I don't know. Not it's not depressing. I'm not trying to bring anybody down, by the way. These are just their thoughts. I don't have the answers to them, and I listen to a lot of a lot of scientists, a lot of uh, you know philosophers and. And, you know, just hear what everybody's got to say and, you know, just try to make up my own, my own thoughts. But uh, one of my favorite things, too, as he says, is uh, there is um, that <laughs> if there's a place up in the sky reflecting on heaven's grace, if God has an honest face, the troubled expression would be watching the human race. And um, I feel like that a lot. Um, and shoot, let's go back to talking about indigenous folks, you know, and like how we used to live and things like that. Like, um, shoot, I don't even know where I want to begin. <laughs> it's so many people, you know, they say, oh, the natives, you know, they like, they, they had such a different respect for the land and, um, there's. I don't know, whatever people usually say, there's, like, it's hard to explain, but it's like, yeah, of course we do, right, but that's because we're a part of it, we don't fight it, and, you know, humans, just as a given, we're naturally destructive, even, you know, like, we knew it, though, like, well, and we know it, like, natives do anyways, or remote, like, my folks do anyhow, like, I, like I said, I can't speak for all native nations, we're all different, but, you know, I think, you know, the, most of us have a similar core values, I guess, or similar, similar ideas, anyway, 
and um, yeah, just humans are naturally destructive. And if you look at the amount of firewood we need, um, the amount of food, the amount of water, uh, the waste that we create, like we're like even without all all the things we have today, like if we were living the old school, like we used to just a couple hundred years ago. Um, you know, we're naturally destructive, but we know it. So, like, my folks, like, we would be in a, in a place, you know, uh, you know, in quotation marks, like, um, a permanent settlement. Like, we, we lived in longhouses, right? So, that house is built, and we're staying there. It's an all-year-round house, and um, we're there until we can't walk to go get firewood anymore, basically. Like, you're not going to walk a mile to go get your firewood, right? It's just silly. So, then you... You move right and so we're we're pretty settled for the most part but we, we had to move you have to move because of the firewood depletion and and just the game you got to find other folks out west and i like you know a lot of other people are still you got to follow the game you got to follow with what you got you know you got to follow the, the weather and you have to know it so like when people are like that's yeah, such a more respect for the land and stuff it's like well we had to you know like we we don't fight it and we don't try to shelter I'm mean, like you got to shelter from the elements but like we don't like I don't know I feel like we try to fight mother nature and I kind of I might be rambling on a little bit too long but um the trouble the expression would be watching the human race and even now with this COVID stuff going on I see people depleting stores of like all like the toilet papers and the paper towels and stuff like that like the shelves are empty empty you know and I, I'm not saying one person's going through and cleaning out the store. I'm just, I'm saying that, like, you know, I, like, I, like, we're set. <laughs> like, you, like, you're probably set. And I don't know, I'm on the more of the thing of, like, you can take one, but, you know, if you, if you really don't need it, somebody else might. Like, I don't know. So, not, I don't know. I'm just talking and blabbering on and, I'm, I got kind of a mind like a goldfish. I'm over like, what? And I'm like looking left and right, like my attention span. But I don't know. That, that's why I like the song, though. It, it presents so many ideas. Kind of like maybe I just did for you right now. Um, there's no definite answers. There's no, there's no right and wrong. I love that about that song. It takes that out of the equation. And uh, yeah, so Little Red Bird, that's my favorite Dave Matthews song and it's my favorite one to play and yeah it's got a really close spot to me in my heart when I when I hear him. but my favorite thing too is I love watching him play it live right and it's so funny he'll say here's a tiny tiny little song and uh he's like if you don't like it it'll be done it'll be done pretty quick here and uh, I think it's I think it's hilarious that's my favorite song and um and I like that too when he says that because if you know, if he really feels like people might not like it, he plays it anyways, and that shows out. That shows more about him. He's doing that for him, and uh, well, he's doing more for him. But he doesn't care if you like it or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's got something to say, and he's a brilliant man. And uh, yeah, I always appreciate when people can bring up indigenous. You know, if you do it correctly, anyways, and he did it really good. Um, you know, you start bringing up ideas and and things and the feeling. It's a really rough feeling. Um, you know, if you look at any Native nation across the country, you know, it, uh, it's a rough, rough feeling. And a lot of people don't even know. 
a lot of people still don't know. It's I'm not gonna give it into it. It's a completely different different subject, you know. But yeah, goes right back to my seven generations thing. Um, I think I said that in my episode when I was interviewed in the podcast. Um, I'll just I'll kind of maybe end that this with that is uh, um, the seven generation idea basically is every you gotta remember the seven generations before you. Um, everything that they people in your family everybody things that everybody has done seven generations ago is affecting us still today and um, it's our job to remember this it's the seven generations after as well it's our job to preserve the earth and your you know your food your water um, it's your job to do that for the next generation so nobody's uh so nobody's um, struggling, basically. It's the idea, anyways, you know. And it it kind of takes greed out of the, you know, out of the equation. Gotta not be as greedy. That's for sure. I'll end off. I'll end off. I'll end off with that, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the way I heard it, anyways. And I hope you all think it's interesting. And let me know what you think of the song as well. And uh, you can get a hold of me on Twitter or. Instagram, all that stuff, all that good stuff, and, uh, yes, take care of each other, take care of yourself, and, uh, yeah, be cool, keep it real. We want to give a special thanks to our guests and co-contributors for this episode of the podcast. Without your valuable contributions, we wouldn't be able to continue. We hope that you've enjoyed our deep dive into the music of DMB and the community that supports them. You can find us on all social media platforms by searching DMB On Demand. Visit us on dmbondemand.com for DMB-related merch and to learn more about DMB On Demand. Until next time, don't burn the day away.